We're going to do a little revision in the order of service this morning. We're going to have a, a concentrated time of worship and sacrament after the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read to you just a few verses out of the second epistle of Peter. And I would love for you to keep in mind while I'm reading this that these are typical words of many of the epistles. Most of the epistles have, in the very first part, the words, saints by calling. The concept of God's calling on our life, and that's what makes us members of the family of God. Let me start with verse 2 in the first chapter. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him, now listen to this, who called us by his own glory and excellence. Let me say that again. Who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then he goes to exhort them to uh, treat with diligence this heavenly calling. And in verse 10, he repeats, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Now, I want to talk this morning about God's calling on your life. And, and I'm not going to talk this morning about calling to be something or to do something. That has to do with choosing, and that will come later on. I will, I will uh, talk uh, in the next message about that, about being chosen. But I want to talk about being called today because I do not believe that most, uh, most Christians have a very accurate picture of what it is to be called by God. I'm going to give you three pictures, three theological motifs of being called by God. I want to tell you right up front that two of them, the first two of them I bring up, are going to be faulty ones. And I will point out their faults. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I'm going to use the motif of romance because I believe the call of God to himself has much to do with a sense of romance rather than a business deal. I want to improve my life, you know. God give me an order, I'll follow it and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I believe that, that God wants us in an intimate relationship with him. He wants us to know how to love him, him intimately. So I'm going to use some illustrations, personal illustrations of romance. I do this not because I like to tell you about my life, but because if I used illustrations from your life about romance, you'd be mad at me. This is the only, the only safe way to do this. Let me give you the first motif. There are people who believe that God's call can be equated with a general invitation to whomever. That God calls his people, but he doesn't know who's going to respond. And so he just puts it out there and just hopes for the best. Now, there are some biblical references that would give you that idea on first reading of those biblical references. If you will turn in uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, <clears throat> you will read Jesus' parable about the kingdom of heaven. Starting in verse 2, let me just read a couple of verses to you. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king 
who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to, to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. And again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened livestock, and all are butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. And he goes on and on. And, then, of course, the, the end of that is that he, well, he, that crowd won't come, so he'll go ask another crowd. Now, at first look at this, it looks like God is desperate. God is linked with the king here, and he's desperate just to have anybody show up, and he doesn't know who's going to respond. Now, the part of this that is true for us is the part that says the invitation to the kingdom of God must go to everyone as we see it. I talked last week about God's call to the world, about calling, having the mind of Christ, and calling forth that in the world which was of God, which is of God. We don't know which, what is of God and what isn't until we call it and see if it responds on a human level. But I don't want this parable, which is a parable about the hardness of sinful hearts, that even if they have an invitation directly from the king to his banquet, still will not respond. This is about people, not about God. You can't possibly believe from reading the rest of Scripture that God doesn't know what he's doing and is always going to be chasing after the wrong people. It doesn't make any sense. That picture is not in Scripture. Let me, t- let me just help you remember. From a man's standpoint, and women, we'll give you extra time, equal time if you want, help you remember of the stages of romance. When I, when I began to be aware that girls may be a good thing, I was going. I was a late kind of a late bloomer. I was going through through middle school. Was very proud of any pimples I could get. You know, I don't know if you remember that stage. Like, Look, I got one. This is great. And I can remember watching. I had an older sister who dated, and I can remember being in love with the idea of being in love. I just wanted a date. Anybody. I wanted a girlfriend because it seemed like a wonderful thing to do and another stage into which I could grow and so on and so forth. So I tried to learn to watch to learn how to flirt. I've never been good at flirtation. Never. Not from the very beginning was I, was I good. But I got a bunch of other guys who also wanted to go out and um, get checks, unquote. <laughs> so, and none of us knew what we were doing. So we went to a drive-in at another time. Now, not a drive-in movie, but a drive-in from which we have cut down the activity to a drive-through. This was a hamburger joint where people would come out and you hang the little tray in your thing. And, but all of the kids, you know, in most of the towns had this drive-in where they gathered and they cruise and so on and so forth. So here we are, just wanting some sort of return on our flirtation. All of us are hanging outside the car or standing outside the car, just kind of watching these cars both by. I'm standing there trying to look old, trying to look cool, trying not to look as desperate as I was. And here comes this carload of fine-looking girls. Fine-looking girls. I just started winking as fast as I could. I looked like I had something in my eye. I was going like that, looking right at the, what I considered to be the cutest one. She hung out of the car, looked at me, and said, Oh, I'll never forget this as long as I live. You're short and you're ugly! 
the whole car load of girls burst into laughter. I was so crushed I got in the car. I climbed into the back seat and said, I never want to do that as long as I live. This is awful. It was horrible. It was horrible. I want to know if you really believe that God is like that. He's standing out there just winking at anybody who could please somebody respond. And then when he is rejected, feels awful about it. You think God is that desperate? Is that the kind of God who would just put on a general call because he needs your love much more than you need to love him? I, I, I listen, some, when I go to work, I play the radio. And I, I, there's one radio station, I can't remember which one it is, that has people, honest to goodness, has people, single people, who want to date, go down and stand on a certain corner. And all the rest of the audience can drive by that corner. Now, both men and, both men and women, this is an equal opportunity thing. A man will stand on this corner, a woman will stand, and people can drive by that corner, and if they are interested, they can call in and get that person's phone number. Now, how desperate would you have to be to do something like that? Is that the picture you have of the invitation of God? Here I am on the corner, somebody just call me. If you like what you see, give me a call. Is that the picture you have of the sovereign God of the universe that is that desperate, that just stands out there on display and you can take him or leave him according to whether or not you like what you see? See, that's a faulty picture of the call of God. The call of God is not equal to the general widespread invitation that we must continue to issue. God knows who he's going to call. And that's different from the widespread invitation that we spread because we don't know who's going to be called of God and who isn't. Now, go to the next call with me. When you grow up, after you get put down <laughs> real bad, you begin to say, well, maybe it's a more special invitation. In other words, maybe you shouldn't try to get just anybody. Maybe you should try to sense who will respond positively to your flirtation or to your invitation before you ever issue it. Remember that stage where you say, you get with a friend and you say, why don't you go over to Mary Lou and just kind of mention me in the conversation. Just see what happens. Okay? Don't tell her I sent you. Don't let me get look obvious, but just go over and just see what happens. So, so what do you think about Hunter? You know, you go... But the deal is, there is some sense in which you will only issue the invitation if there is a pre-recognition that there will be a positive response. There's some reference to that in Scripture. Acts 17, for example, starting with verse 10, might make us believe that God is only going to call those who are really wanting to hear from him. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. For they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. 
Many of them, therefore, believed. <clears throat> now, it would seem from a passage of Scripture like that that God is going to issue his call to those who are really curious and really investigating. And, and if we can just try hard enough, God will then call us. If we can show him that we're worthy of his call, God will call us. I remember when I was teaching high school at Shaw, high, uh, uh, Shaw, school in, uh, Shaw high School in Cleveland, Ohio, as a history teacher, we remember a conversation between two guys... Off to my right, I'm, I'm, this is in between classes, I'm trying to get my stuff ready, and this one guy is talking to another guy, and I overhear him saying, no kidding, no kidding, Connie says she kind of likes you, no kidding, she kind of likes you. And the guy goes, no way, no way, this is so great, I, I think she's, I'm crazy about her, I think she's the cutest thing that ever happened, I'm going to ask her out, wait, you said kind of likes me. Well, you know, she doesn't know you, right. you know, you said kind of, you said kind of likes me. Now, up here... Up in this story rears the ugly head of potential rejection. All men are deathly afraid of potential rejection. Therefore, they're going to try to avoid that like the plague. And this kid's going, you said kind of, you said kind of. I'm not asking around. No way am I going to. I mean, if somebody kind of likes it, that means they're probably going to reject you. I'll probably, I'm not asking around. Just then, this cute little girl just comes in to the classroom. This guy shoves this guy over in front of her. <laughs> Just then he knows he's not looking cool. So he does the chicken walk. Okay? How you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Now that's a good sign, see? That's a good sign. Because if girls think you're a total drip, they'll just say fine and go on. But when they ask you a question back, see? All this is written down somewhere, by the way. <laughs> I don't know where. But everybody knows this stuff. It's got to be written somewhere. Positive sign. She asked him a question back. How are you doing? Chicken walk. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Now he's trying to think of the next question, you know. Starting to sweat bullets. So how do you like your teachers? It's the old like your teachers thing. Now by this time, she knows. Because it's written somewhere. I don't know where. But it's written somewhere. She knows that he's after something. Because guys do not make conversation. Without a purpose. Guys always have a purpose. So therefore, if he has asked her two things in a row, she knows he's up to something. Fine. How do you like yours? Yes! Second question. It's a second question. He knows he's almost there. I mean, she's asking him two questions in a row. That's almost like saying, I won't reject you no matter what you ask. Oh, this is great. This is great. Chicken walk. Yeah, like I they're okay. Yeah. So who are you going to dance with? Nobody. Who are you going with? Yeah! Now he's got it. 
Now he got it. Now he's on a roll. Chicken walk. Yeah, well, nobody. Hey. <laughs> Didn't, couldn't get it out of his mouth. You know? Now that's for a purpose too. If you can just go like this and make your meaning known and she starts going like this, you can just put your arm in your pocket and say, I never ask her. I never ask her. I never said a word. Ask her if I ask her. I never ask her. Never said a word. She knew what he thought. That'd be fine. See? Now that whole complicated, wonderful ritual is what sometimes people believe that God is doing with them. You know, if I can just show enough interest but not commit myself, then maybe he'll give me a call and then I can respond to that call and then if I do this, then he'll do this and then I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, you're in adolescent city again. But the Bible says that there are people who are very religious people who never hear the call of God. They're into false religions. They're searching. They're sincere, but they never hear the call of God. And the Bible says that there are people who are running flat out away from God. Flat out away from Jesus. Like Saul. Like the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians it says, I, Paul, called by God. You know where he was when he was called by God? He was going to persecute the church. He had no interest in the things of Jesus. And Jesus comes and blinds him, knocks him on his can. Paul wasn't working for it. He wasn't looking for it. God was approaching. God had a plan. See? So therefore, the call of God many times has nothing to do with how hard you've worked for it. What does it have to do with then? Look at Scripture just for a minute, and then we'll, and we'll go on. It has to do very much with the Word of God that does not return void. If you will turn to that passage, Isaiah 55, let me show you something. This is the difference between a general invitation when we hear about God from men and the call that God puts on your heart. There is something different about the voice of God from the voice of men. And this is it. Starting with verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. What's the difference between the invitation of men and the call of God? 
The call of God has the power within it to accomplish what it has just said. When God speaks, there is a creative force. Genesis 1-3 said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. See? When the call of God comes, it is effective because the call of God has the power to answer the desire, now listen to this, that God has already put in your heart. The call of God is not something that happens just in a moment. The call of God is something that can be felt way before you ever actually hear it. Because God has begun it, God has nurtured it, and God completes it. And God knows what he's doing with our lives. And so therefore, when you think of God calling your life, please don't think it's some general thing that you think, well, maybe it's a good idea, maybe I ought to go sign up. I mean, there's a lot of good people here. I got inspired by them. Maybe I'd like to become a part of that. No, it's much more personal than that. God has a plan for you. He has your name. He has your number. He knows where you live. And He is coming to you personally. Let me tell you, with Becky's permission, how I asked her to marry me. I was dating this girl and had had a relationship. I mean, Becky, I had a relationship with her that, I, that was different. I had messed up a lot of relationships. Even after I'd become a Christian, I was not very good at relationships. But I met Becky, and there was something trite, special. I know this phrase is trite, not trite about her. <laughs> something special. And I didn't want to mess, so I took my time. And I started trying to read the signals. You know, like I just told you about adolescents do. Tried to read the signals. Because there was no way I ever wanted to ask that question and get turned down. Oh, man, that would be awful. So here we are. Sitting on a swing outside her house, stars, moon, perfect time. Perfect. We'd been going together for quite a while. And I turned to her and I said, Got a question for you. What? Now you don't have to answer this right now. That was starting to protect myself, see? I want you really to pray about this. And what I'm trying to say to her is, don't reject me, the first words out of your mouth. Give me some hints on how you're going to go, and then I'll give you a way to get out of it if the, if the response is not. So I said, you don't have to answer this right now. I want you to pray about this, because I want you to be sure of it. She goes, what? I said, will you marry me? Now, her response was not one that you always dream of. <laughs> Her response was, are you serious? <laughs> Every insecurity I had ever had in my entire life started jumping up and down on my heart right then. I thought, oh no. She's trying to bridge into the thing. Well, let's just be friends. I like being friends. Oh, no. She, and I started going downhill. Now, this is all in a millimicrosecond. I mean, in a nanosecond. All of this stuff comes. She's just trying to, uh, trying to find a way to be nice. She's trying to find a way to reject me without making it seem like reject. And then all of a sudden, I started thinking about this girl that told me I was short and ugly. 
And I started, I started projecting that onto her. And I'm thinking, oh no, any minute she's going to look at me and say, not on your best day, midget. I am sure that's what she's going to say. I was dying. I was dying. She said, let me tell you a story. She said, when I was a very little girl, something inside me prompted me to pray night after night two things. I prayed night after night that God would be with and protect and nurture the man that I would marry someday. And I prayed night after night that when I saw him, I would recognize him. She said, the first time I ever saw you, I knew that man was you. And when you asked me to marry you, I could not believe that that process was being completed. Now that's not about Becky and I. That's about you and God. See, when God says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. To some of you that sounds just like an invitation. But to others of you, it answers a deep hunger, a deep desire that you've had to depend on a God who knows your name. Some of you, when you hear the words of Jesus that say, follow me, think of all the obligations. Would it be a good business deal? What would I have to give up? What would I have to do? But some of you have been struggling for so long. And when you hear those words, you know it's time and you know it's you. Because God Himself has done that in your heart. That is the call of God. Would you pray with me? God, you are much more in control than we would like to think. We would love to think that that there's just this general thing that we can sign up for. And we know that your invitation goes out to all people, but we know the hardness of sin will not let some people respond. But we also know from the Scripture that there are people here who you have nurtured, who you have called, who you have gotten ready for so long. And this morning, when I say to them, God says, follow me, they know that they are meant to do it.
for those people, Lord, today. Let them respond with a great deal of relief and celebration that you are completing what you have begun. Let them say, Jesus, I've stayed away from you and I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Come into my life and make of it whatever you want. And for those of us who have heard that call, God, but we know from the desire of our heart we have not come unto you without laboring and we have not found rest in you. Let us hear that call again so that we can rest in you. We can trust in you. We can crawl up into your arms and know that no matter will we stand by you no matter what, but you stand by us no matter what. You are God and we are not. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.